Balfour. Scoops with Danny Mac, the podcast on 101 ESPN. Scoops with Danny Mac, and here we go. It's the Tuesday edition. I want to tell you, by the way, that we will have the uh, inter-squad game tonight on Cardinals.com. So if you want to tune in, Cardinals.com, my understanding, the first pitch is at 515. That will go... Nine innings tonight, and I believe that Carlos Martinez will be the starter for one side and then kind of a bullpen start on the other side. So Cardinals.com tonight, and you can see that game on Cardinals.com at 515. Okay, 65780, 65780, the text line. If you want to jump into anything that we talk about on the program, Joe Goldberg from Fox Sports Midwest Kansas City will be my guest. The first telecast on Fox Sports Midwest will be tomorrow as the Kansas City Royals will be in town. And that will be the first time we'll be on your television and we'll talk about uh, the return of Mike Matheny in a major league dugout, what the telecasts have looked like. They had their first telecast last night against Houston and uh, get caught up with Joel Goldberg. So a lot to get caught up with you. I always love hearing from you. 65780 and that is the text line and also the Rhino Shield mic drop as well on the 101 app. Okay, yesterday, Ribs and BK, they had Buster Olney of ESPN. And remember, Buster Olney was uh, not uh, really optimistic initially on a major league season. And then things started to change just a little bit. You know, he said, well, you know, I'm not sure if we're going to get this thing started. And then it started to change. And Scott, do we have that cut yet? He said, uh, hold on one second. Do we have it? We got it? And here's what he had to say on Ribs and BK. What I spend my days doing is call around to baseball executives, team executives, how's it going? And back at the beginning of this, I was hearing Swiss cheese. This is a disaster. It's false hustle. And in the last week, more and more, the club officials I'm talking to are like, you know what? Our guys are, like, doing a good job with this. Our guys are sticking together. Like, our guys are on a roll with this thing. Now, the X factor is uh, the fact that teams now have to travel. But they obviously, at this point, the chances of starting are 100%. Uh, and the chances of getting through it, I'd, I'd put that somewhere in the range of 40 to 50. And I tell you why. Um, first off, if someone were to, uh, uh, you know, especially a player of prominence were to get sick, it would complete or worse. It would get. It would completely change the conversation. But the other thing too is, and this has been pointed out to me by team executives, by agents. You know, this is a major league baseball is a business, and they are going to plow through. So even if you know, for example, a team in the National League Central lost seven players in one burst to to coronavirus, the feeling among teams is Major League Baseball is going to go keep going. Keep going, keep going. Draw off your sixty-man pool. Do what you got to do. But we're gonna we're gonna play because there's so much money at the end of the rainbow in terms of the you know the postseason television revenue. So I think the one thing that could derail it would be uh, an illness of of enormous prominence. Well, I, I you know there's a couple things I want to get into. Uh, number one, I misspoke earlier. I was just told by a member of the Cardinals it will not be Carlos Martinez tonight. It'll be actually Hudson going tonight. So that's number one. Okay. Uh, so thank you to that member of the Cardinals who just texted me. So not Carlos Martinez, but it'll be Hudson. Um, so that's number one. 
the other thing about what Buster's talking about, and this is why I've tried to be positive from day number one. Look, if you go back to around the 4th of July and they had all the, the missteps with the testing and some teams didn't have the chance to practice, they were missing workouts, they were sending guys home, and there were players that could have opted out and said, you know what, this is crazy. This is nuts. I'm going home. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to go through this. And you know what they did? They showed up the next day and the day after that and the day after that and the day after that. And they went through this. It's not ideal. It's not a lot of fun. And they're doing it. And veterans are pulling young guys aside and saying, hey, man, take this seriously. We got to be watching out for each other. And there's so much on the line for the players, for the league, for each other, for TV, for other people around the game. And they're making this thing happen. Have you looked at the numbers of what's going on right now in the NBA bubble? Zero positive tests. NHL came out the other day. You know how many positive tests they had? Two. And they're not in the bubble yet. This thing's going forward. They're going to make this thing happen. And so while there was negativity, and that's fine, and I get it, but until they told me this thing is canceled, I didn't believe it. Too much on the line. Way too much on the line. We're going to have baseball tomorrow night. We're going to have baseball at Bush Stadium on Friday. There's not going to be folks in the seats. That's okay. And then on the broadcast, you're going to look and you're going to say, man, it looks a little different. Yeah, it's going to be different. There's no fans in the seats. So what? You're going to have something to look forward to. And that's what we need with the American public. Whether you're a sports fan or not, it's something that is you, that you can look forward to. That's not the news. It's not the coronavirus. We need it. It's good. It's great. And as we go forward with the broadcast, it's going to get better and better and better. And I think they're going to finish the season. I really do. The big test will be when they get on the road. And I do agree with that. It's not a bubble situation. Hopefully there's not something that comes in and wipes out in, you know, middle infield or middle of the lineup. I agree. That's a problem. Big problem. It's a concern. But so far, so good. And I applaud the players and baseball and the way that they're making this thing go. Now to what's happening on the roster and on the field. Mike Schilt announced his pitching rotation and KK as the closer. Ready to make a few announcements you may or may not be interested in, but I'd be surprised if you weren't. Dakota's going to be our number three starter. And then filling out a rotation will be Miles and Carlos. And that puts KK in the at the end of the game in a high leverage situation to close and we know we have other options for that to happen based on situation, based on his availability. But that's the that's the route we're going. So you'll see the relievers oppose Dak pitching for the home team tomorrow, Dakota. And you'll see KK on the back end of the bullpen for the home team tomorrow. So KK is the closer. I'll get more into the bullpen and maybe some of the roster uh, decisions upcoming for the Cardinals. So. Some more news with Mike Shield talking about Carlos and others and how it fits into the rotation and the roster for the Cardinals. No, that's the reason now he earned it. You know, he's he's communicated understandably, having been a starter in the past and a highly effective starter in this league with multiple all-star appearances, that he was one to, to start in the conversation that's pretty well documented. Is, and he's done a good job being a good teammate to go in the bullpen and do a nice job for us. But he's set up to start, and he's, he was given clarity on what those expectations were. And to your point, Benjamin, he, he really did a nice job of first spring training, 
tremendous focus regardless. He, he had almost as good a focus as anybody in camp, irrespective of whether you thought it was a, a drill that was a little more mundane. You know, PFP, Bunning, of course, now that is kind of gone by the wayside. His sides had a focus to every pitch he threw. And then the results, you know, board a witness in spring training, his recovery of what he did was really good. You know, he was able to recover. He's able to build up. He was um, very intentional about what his work looked like in the weight room, what it looked like in the training room to be able to recover better, to be able to take care of the, the load that we would expect a starter to have. There was continued conversation with him in the during the break between the two camps. Um, and then, like I said, he sent the videos. And and um, I know he told you guys he worked up to seven seven innings of simulated game away from away from here and came in same focus same attention to detail so at that point you know the guy earned his spot and you appreciate the fact that he did it and you know he earned the reward to get back in the rotation so he is in the rotation so the way it sets up you got Flaherty in game one Wayno game two you got Hudson game three Michaelis Martinez that's your starting five that's the starting five for the Cardinals. In terms of what it looks like uh, with the the starting nine, if you will, and you got O'Neal in left, Bader in center, Fowler in right. I would put Edmund at third, DeYoung at short, Wong at second, Goldschmidt at first, Yachty is behind the plate, and then Carpenter would be the DH. Carpenter's looked fantastic at the plate. So happy for him. Good guy, works hard, cares, everything that you want out of a player. Um, where it gets interesting in the bullpen and it it looks like the Cardinals are edging towards with a 30 man roster for the first couple of weeks to have 16 pitchers. You could conceivably have the way I have it, five lefties in the pen, Kim being one of them. You got Austin Gomber, Daniel Ponce de Leon would be in the bullpen. You got Andrew Miller, Ryan Helsley might get uh, some shots to close if KK is down after a couple of days. Who knows? Maybe even John Gant, Webb, another lefty, Gallegos, Jake Woodford. So where it gets interesting, what about Cody Whitley? Do you want to start his clock? Junior Fernandez, in the games I've done the last couple of days, he has walked seven of the last eight I've seen. Johan Oviedo, do you want to start his clock? Genesis Cabrera, the lefty, where's he at? Now, he is healthy enough to get back into workouts. You don't know if he would start uh, in terms of being on the roster. Uh, Alex Reyes, same thing. Don't know about him, his availability. Brett Cecil, don't know about his availability in terms of coming in and being effective. I like him against lefties, but you have a three-batter minimum. Brett is doing a little bit of two different things. He The other day, he was going over-the-top, traditional, and also sidearm. Sidearm... I'm fine against a lefty, and he's only throwing about, you know, high 70s, low 80s. It's okay against a lefty. Uh, he kind of jumps at the lefty, works from the first base side of the rubber, and if you haven't seen it, you'll see it tomorrow or on Friday. It's okay. You know, it's it's not overpowering, clearly. It's below the hitter zone in speed, but it, it gets people out. Um, but the right-handers, that would concern me. The bench, it looks like you'd have three catchers. If you include Yadier Molina as a starter, Matt Wieters is a switch hitter, could be a pinch hitter. Kerry Andrew Kisner, who defensively is getting better and better and better, had two caught stealing the other night. Lane Thomas. How about Brad Miller? You don't know about his heel. He's been dealing with a heel injury. Um, and and in spring training, I, I, if memory serves correct, had a sore back, but currently it's a heel. You got Ron Helvervello, Edmundo Sosa. 
So where's he? If it's a five-man bench, you know, one of those guys you're not sure about. So those are some of the question marks, you know, going into what is an uncertain season starting on Friday, uh, Friday night. The Pittsburgh Pirates will be here. One thing we know for sure is that Jack Flaherty, he is your game one starter. But it's going to be fun, man. It's a race to the finish. 60 games in Major League Baseball. That goes in a blink of an eye. All right, off to the NFL. And what they're talking about right now is that the players want to have everyday testing. Now, that's money. So what? The NFL makes oodles of money, billions of dollars. Forget the preseason. You're not going to have a preseason. You're not going to have fans, it looks like. Doesn't matter. Adam Schefter of ESPN. So as important as health and safety is, and it's never been more important than it is in a global pandemic, we all could agree on that. Still think this is a money-driven issue. And we went through this in March when the two sides were arguing over a collective bargaining agreement. And when you're talking about the potential loss of $100 million per team, $3.2 billion across the league to use a round general number, somebody's got to foot the bill. And I don't think the owners want to pick it all up. I don't think the players are willing to pick it all up. So how do they figure that out into future years? That becomes a critical question because that's going to drive down the salary cap and how do they want to spread it out? I think in times like this, everybody shares in it. Nobody comes out of this unscathed. Weren't we just talking about this like two months ago with Major League Baseball? And baseball was getting hammered. Just hammered by the general public. And now it's the NFL. Now it's their turn. And the one league that uh, did not get hammered over this was the NHL. They came out of it with a four-year agreement, a CBA. So it's coming down to money. And the guy that's got some interest certainly here in St. Louis, and he he's had a hell of a career as a backup. How about Chase Daniel, one of the great players ever in Mizzou history? He's made a bundle of money as a backup, and he spoke about what the players are dealing with right now. If we're going to put our, our, our body and our health at risk, and quite honestly – some of our families at risk and not only do we want testing every day but guys also have to realize that uh, there's a there's a big responsibility that you can't be going out to eat every single night you can't be leaving your house like if you want a full season in you got to do the right thing you got to be responsible you got to stay at home when you're not at the facility uh, if you want to be able to get 16 weeks in and he had more to add after that i don't think that happens i, I do think that guys want to work and I do think that um, this week, and specifically the very first of this week, like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, uh, you're going to see a lot of news coming out um, of some health and safety protocols getting uh, better as they go. And I, and I do think we'll have a deal on that. I do think the economic issues may uh, linger into training camp, and, and that's, that's, that's fine with the players uh, as we can continue to, to bargain back and forth. Um, but the biggest thing we want to have is we want to have those health and safety protocols and really that acclimation period. That's a huge thing for us really figured out uh, at the beginning of this week. Well, the interesting thing is that football contact sport. I mean, guys are all over each other. They're going to essentially do what Major League Baseball is doing, but they don't have to travel like Major League Baseball is doing. Major League Baseball, you're going into a city for three days, going to another one for three days, then coming back home. Um, you know, football, you travel on a Saturday, you stay overnight, you play the game on that Sunday, you come back home. Um, but you're practicing, there's contact. Uh, they're trying to work on the helmets, make it a little bit different, but they want to have testing every day. We'll see how that plays out. You're not going to have preseason, it doesn't look like. But again, they're trying to work on the safety and the health protocols. And again, 
follow the money. So that's what's going on with the National Football League. Danny Mack watched the Mets and the Yankees. I like seeing the cutouts behind home plate. Again, I think this is a work in progress with all stadiums. I kind of like it too. Um, I got to wonder as we go along if you will see... Well, first of all, I think that each telecast will cut the game, meaning when you cut the game is how the director, how tight they shoot the game on your television, how tight they can get the game without seeing empty seats. That's number one. Number two, will you see um, like the, can they can they put fake fans um, in the seats? Meaning uh, it, it, it looks like there's fans in the seats, but there's really not. Will you put the cutouts, cardboard cutouts, which they've done, uh, in the KBO, will they do something like that? Will certain teams get creative and and do maybe some type of charity drive of, you know, I don't know, bring your favorite uh, dinosaurs down and and give it to kids, you know, after the season, something like that. I don't know, you know, some kind of goodies or th- things of that nature for kids. I don't know. I mean, there's things that you can do to get creative with this and have fun with it. You are going to have the piped in crowd. Um, for the games, and that is a work in progress for all teams. All teams. You know, if it's a good play happens, uh, bringing the crowd up as if something good happened in the game. Um, and that's not easy to do. There's a lot of pressure on that person to do it right inside the stadium. I mean, you don't want to have a bad play, and all of a sudden the guy hits the wrong one or the girl, and all of a sudden it's an error on a home team, and they're sitting there going, ah, oops, didn't mean to hit that button. And everybody in the stadium of the home team is looking up like, hey, man, what are you doing? You know, don't want to see that. Um, Dan would love to see the children's team up with our local children's hospitals and get some cutouts in the front rows of some kids uh, bravely battling it. Yeah, I mean, things of that nature. I get it. You can do some of those things. Um, Danny Mack, love the show. 636. Haven't heard much about Wainwright. How has he looked? Typical Wayno. You know, he's getting he's getting outs. I've heard across the board that a lot of times, whether it's the Cardinals or other teams, the uh, the hitters are behind the pitchers. And I I wonder if we're going to see that in the first week or so. I do think the hitters are starting to catch up a little bit during the pandemic. The pitchers were able to stay kind of on a on a level that they were at spring training and then really pick it up as, you know, this summer camp got going like they were able to pick up and go where the hitters needed to see live pitching and they just couldn't find it i mean some guys just i mean they were quarantined they couldn't do it they couldn't find live pitching so they were out i mean there's nothing you could do it's tough um let's see uh 618 in kansas city they will let you have a cardboard cutout of yourself to donate to some charity. And uh, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Maybe doing something like that. I wonder if the Cardinals would do that. I don't know. They might. I think other teams might do that too. But just do something uh, maybe for COVID relief, maybe for the local children's hospital. I don't know. Um, but as again, it's a blank canvas as we move forward. And, um, and I think we're going to get all kinds of ideas. And I do think we're going to find different ways to present the game on television that we like. And there's going to be some things that we try that we try it and we go, eh, not so good. But there's going to be neat things that we do and we try and um, and we say that's really cool. And going forward, that's that's how we're going to do it. I think like when you look at Fox Golf, when they took over golf, I think it was five or six years ago, they did a lot of things. 
that now are just part of the broadcast that you see in golf that are just every day. Like when you watch it on NBC or Golf Channel and they say, that was awesome. And we had to integrate that in our broadcast because they had the guts to try it and it was good. It's good for golf. Um, so that's why I like it. Anyway, all right. So six uh, six five seven eight zero. We want to hear from you. That is the text line and also Rhino Shield Mike Traub. Joe Goldberg from the Kansas City Broadcast is coming up next. More of what you want to hear. Scoops with Danny Mac in podcast form on 101 ESPN. It'll be the Cardinals. It'll be the Royals. It'll be baseball on your television tomorrow on Fox Sports Midwest. And Joel Goldberg will be part of the broadcast on Fox Sports Kansas City. And we'll have the call on Fox Sports Midwest uh, here in St. Louis. And that'll be the first time you'll be able to see Cardinals baseball in 2020 since spring training. And Joel Goldberg uh, joins me from Kansas City. Always good to hear your voice, Joel. Uh, I hope everybody is safe and healthy in your family. And baseball is back. And that has a nice ring to it. How are you, my man? I'm doing well, and I, I think you know you and I and so many of us probably spent more time talking to each other this past off this past season than ever before because you know we're all so used to the the baseball world, and you know you you've been at it longer than I have, but shoot, I've been gone from St. Louis for 12 years, and uh, none of us have ever experienced anything like this, and so you know just to have this thing come back, I personally don't care what it looks like, uh, you know nothing's the same nowadays, but. Uh, walking into the stadium yesterday for an exhibition game against the Astros was just surreal and felt so good. Yeah, I bet it did. What's it been like? And tell me about your role with the team, being a guy that hosts pre and post game shows. You do a ton of sideline hits uh, on a telecast as they try to socially distance all of us, whether you're in the truck as a producer or director, you're on the air. Uh, what What's it like? What are you, you going to try to do? Well, you know, it's just different, right? I mean, my role, I, I always used to joke, it's not true, but I used to always joke, you know, when I left, it was it was the cat, it was Pat Paris and me. So I used to always tell those guys that, you know, it takes one of me to do what three of us did over there. But, <laughs> you know, I, I, I anything to, to get after the cat, but... But no, I mean, I host every pre and post game show and I do every sideline report, every interview. I'm the only guy. And so that was really the allure when I left St. Louis to come over here was that I was going to work a six month schedule every day. And, you know, everything's different this year for me, just like it is all of us and, and still not fully sure what that looks like. For starters, we have at home, we have our, our set like you guys do across the street, um, you know, uh, we, we have our set out in left field and I'm usually sitting next to my broadcast partner, Royals, um, uh, longtime closer, Jeff Montgomery. I'll be out there now. He'll be in the visiting television booth to do his portion of the show where you usually sit, you know, with, with Ricky Horton or whoever your analyst is. So we'll all be separated. A lot of zoom calls and interviews during the day or the afternoon, but oftentimes before we even get to the ballpark, I think in the end, It'll be a coordinated dance of getting us all the information we need to be able to bring baseball to people just like you're doing. And a lot of times relying on each other. We'll see Cardinals and Royals this year, and, and you'll be relying on us when those games are here, and we'll be relying on you when they're there because for the first time probably ever for you and me, 
we're not traveling. But you know what? Just happy to be announcing baseball. Absolutely. Uh, it'll be the return of Mike Matheny uh, in a Major League mm-hmm. dugout. Tell me what uh, it's been like with Mike Matheny in the Kansas City dugout in spring and, and just trying to, to hear from Mike uh, dealing with the media, the Zoom calls, and the various things that, that he's been doing with the Kansas City Royals? It's It's been really good. You know, I, it's weird because for the most part, I've had two managers my whole baseball broadcasting career, Tony La Russa and Ned Yost. That's it. I mean, you know how long Tony was in St. Louis. Ned Yost was here for the better part of 10 years. We had a couple years of Trey Hillman, and that was it. So, now a new manager, and it's been interesting to watch Mike. I mean, he came in here, and he talked about the things that, that he struggled with in St. Louis in terms of some media and communication, and he has been beyond accessible at every moment of the day. That was true at spring training. That was true during the pandemic. That's been true now. The players have been really energized by him. It, it's it's just different. And we see this so often in sports too, that, you know, Ned Yost was kind of that old school, gruff, tough, you know, don't talk to me. And he, a lot of the times he was just joking around in some ways. He was like LaRusso in the sense that it was never personal, but it wasn't always easy. And to this point, it's been very easy with Mike and we'll see like anybody else in a new role, you'll always be tested when the times are tough, but I'll, I'll say that his accessibility and his willingness to do anything and everything from a distance, from Zoom, from his home, whatever it is, has been really refreshing. And the players, I mean, you know, forget about us. No, nobody really cares about us in terms of, you know, if it's working or not working. Are the players responding? And this is a different manager than they had the last time. And uh, guys like Ned Yost, but it had been a long time. And so um, a lot of these players have have raved about him from the top guys on the team like Whit Merrifield and Alex Gordon and Salvador Perez to a lot of the young guys. we got a lot of prospects. In, in terms, and, and Joel Goldberg is, is my guest, in, in terms of Mike uh, dealing with the virus, my understanding is he did contract uh, COVID-19. Yeah. Um, tell me about that. How did the... Did he uh, uh, come forth with that, and and what was the response locally to that, his players, and then, you know, how did he address that situation? When did he get it? Those kind of things. We found out about it just during a press conference, and and the fact that it was after the fact, it didn't really get a massive amount of play here uh, because he had already been through it. Uh, You know, it must have been sometime April, May, or whatever it was. I don't think it was ever serious. I think where it probably helped a little bit was just for him to have the perspective of having been through it in some form or another. I don't know what the numbers are in St. Louis, but we've had a, you know, a decent amount of guys that contracted the virus early on upon return, uh, significant name players, all asymptomatic, but a Salvador Perez, you know, being the most notable Brad Keller, who may have been the opening day starter and he won't now cause he was set back a little bit. But yeah, I was talking to Messini about that on Monday via zoom, like we do with everything now. And, and he said he, he felt like having a star like a Salvador Perez and it's obviously our Yachty or Molina. And that by no means am I saying he's put up Yachty's numbers. He's halfway there, but in terms of awards and leadership and, and, and being such a major part of this community, he's kind of the invincible guy, you know, I mean, after Patrick Mahomes, he's probably the most recognizable athlete in Kansas city, but very distant first to second place there. So if Salvador Perez gets it and comes back, 
and, and is totally fine and able to work out from home, isolated at a distance, then I think that what Mike was telling me on Monday was that there is a feeling that this process of getting guys back, this process of being able to go into isolation and in many cases still work out, played itself out well so that teammates that look up to a Salvador Perez or a Brad Keller were able to see that this is manageable, this is doable. John Mabry is a coach. Cal Eldred is a coach. There's kind of a St. Louis flavor uh, with the Kansas City Royals that also includes uh, Trevor Rosenthal trying to bounce back with his career. How how has Trevor looked? How did he look in spring training, and how has he looked in summer camp? Trevor's looked great, and the reviews about him, rave reviews during spring training, and I know everybody's always optimistic about everyone, but he really opened up a lot of eyes. I think, Dan, it's an interesting story because – you know, like you, you know all these guys that you're mentioning a lot better than we do. The irony on Trevor Rosenthal is he grew up right down the street from the stadium here as a Kansas City guy. But I remember talking to him in Arizona during spring training, and he really, you know, it's not that he sees himself more as a St. Louis guy, but that's where he spent most of his adult life, and you know, with his family and all of that. So he's coming back home from a place that became home in St. Louis. You know, Matheny, Mabry, all these guys—they they felt like in terms of Rosenthal, they have experience with him, and so that that would help um, in terms of him being healthy now, understanding what makes him tick. Uh, Cal, you know, Cal has become entrenched here, and you know how amazing of a, a person Cal is, but he's become very much part of the culture of this organization, and the you know the pitchers really look up to him and respect him a lot. And then you know, Mabry's new, obviously, to all the guys here. I don't need to explain to you how. How, how great Mabes is. But I do think it's interesting because when I was reading that article the other day, I know you read it about Yachty and uh, Wainwright that Derek Gould wrote. And that first off, that made me feel really old because those are the only two guys that are left. <laughs> yeah. St. Louis when I was there. It also makes me really kind of in a weird way proud of them for the success they've had. I mean, I've been gone, you know, when I left, my kids were two and five. They're 15 and 17 now. And Yachty and Wainwright are still at it. And uh, as a matter of fact, I, remember, I mean, I remember, you know, standing in the hallway at Shea Stadium after Wainwright struck out Belton. I remember seeing an entourage with a famous guy at the time, time walking by the halls of Shea Stadium. The guy's now our president, Trump. I mean, it's that long ago. And I, I think that my point to all that is that Nate Moore, who is one of the longest tenured GMs in baseball, he knows how good things are in St. Louis. He knows when you, when you when I brought up that article because what did it say? One year that they've lost in all their years together. There aren't, and I'm I'm not you know bow down to the Cardinals, Cardinal Nation, and all that. But you guys are in it every single year. On the worst of years, you're still in it. And I think everybody in baseball, certainly a smaller market like Kansas City, would love to be able to capture that. What Dayton Moore built here for my 12 years was a phenomenal culture. Even with the losing the last two years, this is a great place to be. Players love playing for this organization. They're not a joke anymore. Uh, they, they need to get a lot of young guys up to the big leagues because they lost all the Hosmers and Lorenzo Canes at once. But this is a place people want to be. And so I, they, you know, they were very deliberate in going after a Cal Elger. They were very deliberate in going after a Matheny and then a Mabry. I, I think to capture a bit of, what has been so successful in St. Louis? In terms of just a 60-game season, um, it'd be kind of hard to, to get buried, maybe, in a 60-game season. It was a tough year, obviously, for the Royals. 
Um, how do they view a 60-game sprint to the finish? Do they feel like, you know what, hey, maybe we can hang around and, and make this fun in just 60 games? I think everybody should feel that way right now. I mean, and I don't remember the exact numbers, but I think like Fangraphs or one of those sites had the Royals with a, something like, you know, 0.4% chance of making it the, making the playoffs this year back in March. And now I think I heard something like Vegas has them at a 14, 1, 4%. I know 14% isn't a lot, but they picked up 13 or 14 percentage <laughs> points and yeah. not playing for three months. The bottom line, I don't care who you are, is everyone's in first place on July 23rd this year, 24th this year. Um, remember what the Nationals did last year and the slow start they had. That would crush them. Forget about it this year. And, and how many years in a row it always happens you have someone you know, say like the Pirates on a down year, whoever it is that is in first or second place at the all-star break. And you say, how did that happen? And it, and, and it ultimately works itself out. But this year, you might just find yourself there. I, I, I think, and you, you could attest to this, Dan, no one's ever gone to spring training in terms of a player and said, we got no chance. You know, I mean, everybody's optimistic in February and March. And, and they should be. But... This was a team that wasn't expected to contend this year. Now, suddenly, why not? And the other side to it, too, and I know we'll see this across baseball and their decisions to make everywhere, Royals have a ton of young stud prospects that, you know, two years ago they had five of the first 58 picks and they took all college pitchers. And they were going to start trickling in this year and next year, and they may all get some cracks this year with the way things are going. So, there's a there's a lot of excitement and optimism here, and um, you know I, I think that they feel like they're headed in the right direction. This isn't going to be another 29 years, and I think that you know they'll start knocking on the door here in the next couple. Well, looking forward to it uh, tomorrow. We've got uh, an exhibition: the Royals and the Cardinals. You can see that game on Fox Sports Midwest, and Joe Goldberg will be with the Kansas City Royals all summer. We miss you here in St. Louis, my man. Always great to catch up, and and thanks for your time. I really appreciate it. Have a great year. I'm glad you're back. I'm glad everybody's back. And if I could say three words that we all still can agree on, because this will become relevant any day now, let's go Blues. More of what you want to hear. Scoops with Danny Mac in podcast form on 101 ESPN. Let's cross it over as we head out to Centene. The Blues edging closer to heading to Edmonton in the bubble. And we welcome in Jamie Rivers, Rivs and BK coming up. Good morning, Jamie. How are you? Danny, I'm doing good, buddy. Uh, like you said, we're here at the Centene Community Ice Center. The Blues are getting back to business. We have a full show of Cardinals for sure and Blues stuff. We've got Kevin Weeks from NHL Network coming on with us. We got our own very, our very own Jeremy Rutherford from The Athletic. And we got Greg Wyshynski, who's going to join us today. So it's going to be a lot of cards and a lot of hockey. What have the uh, workouts been uh, like for the Blues? Uh, you know, are you able to see some of those? Or I know you talk to some of the guys, but uh, what, do, what what's the sense that you're getting what those workouts are like? Well, they're ramping them up. That's for sure. You know, the conditioning is, is getting there right now. Uh, yesterday, or two days ago, they had a little bit of a... You know, a bag skate, as they call it, oh, yeah. the conditioning going. And today was more physical contact. And that's the hardest part is the bumping, the grinding, you know, keeping your feet under you throughout the course of a hockey game. That's where they call it, you know, being in hockey shape. 
And today they were working on that and, and doing a little more physicality. So, yeah, Craig Berube in, in chief form is ramping it up here with the boys. Boy, it's hard not to be positive when you hear about only two positive tests in the NHL. None uh, in the NBA bubble. Uh, under 1%, I think, in the latest week-long test in the MLB uh, testing and protocols. I mean, it's coming, man. It's, it's positive, and that's the way we have to be, I think. Yeah, look, I'm proud of all these guys. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I know that sounds crazy, but you know what? The It just shows that they're taking it seriously, that uh, as of right now, they're dedicated to uh, completing or having a season. And you know what? Maybe they're taking it very personal and wanting the fans to have something and to you know be the guys who give us all something to take our mind off of some of the craziness that has been 2020. But... Either way, I think it's awesome. Great, great news. Absolutely. Uh, Great to catch up with you, Jamie. Looking forward to the show. Ribs and BK coming up next on 101 ESPN. You have been listening to the TV voice of the St. Louis Cardinals. Scoops with Danny Mac on 101 ESPN.